Weekend Breakfast with Refilo Mpakanyane on 702. Well, good morning to you, Nikki Bush. It has only been, what, two years since we spoke in person? I think two and a half, <laughs> Rafilwe, and lots has happened. My goodness, absolutely you have become insane. a mum for the second time. Yes. Big event. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely have. Are you well? I see you're, 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 wearing, you're free of your glasses, I unlike am free some of, of us. I my glasses. This is true. Yeah. I had, uh, I had uh, eye surgery a couple of months ago. Yeah. And uh, I don't have to wear glasses anymore. How's so recovery? How's going good but slow you know yeah. the brain takes time to settle yeah. uh so you've i've been given a new pair of lenses in my eyes fantastic and they do something called monovision now where yeah. they give you one eye long distance one eye short fascinating and um my brain has taken quite a shock i have to be honest it's so interesting you know when you think about child development and learning it doesn't change much when you become an adult. Yeah, yeah. And when you've had a well-worn neurological pathway of seeing in a particular way, mm-hmm. and suddenly your brain is told to see in a, another way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite an it's, adjustment, it's right? Quite an adjustment. Yeah. And even just like ticks and habits. I mean, I'm all, I always reach out and sort of like prop up the prop you know up the side glasses. of my side of my frames even when i don't need to it's just a little tick and a habit i imagine you find yourself just reaching up for those for your glasses yeah, and like pushing that, there's your, nothing pushing going your glasses on up your nose you know <laughs> on the bridge of your nose yeah and, um and and yeah occasionally sort of reaching for glasses to put on but realizing i don't I need to it. wear them <laughs> well, that's fantastic just, i think i think that's such a great gift to give yourself um especially like post your um post your 40s i was having a conversation also i went to a specialist and i was we were talking is it lasik is it whatever other kind of surgery you might need and he said well you know your eyesight will probably deteriorate more in your 40s why not wait till after and i thought Actually, I still love my frames. I'm not actually really complaining. It could be cool just to, you know, do it later on at some point. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, you know, you, there's no right time to do anything. But, mm. uh, you know, I guess it's uh, a lot of things are just ease, you know, when you're starting to yeah. travel again and packing glasses and, you know, all those sorts of things. And you think, oh, wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> not to have to worry about this. Worry I remember losing them and losing my glasses on holiday. And I had to spend my, you know, the next week. <laughs> um, Glass free and blind. And blind, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I but lost them in the ocean, but, yeah. But therein lies lies an interesting point. You know, our senses are so important to us. Absolutely. And if you do wear glasses and you can't find them, you actually do feel like you've lost your senses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I actually interviewed somebody the other day for my podcast mm-hmm. who is blind. Yeah. Uh, he had vision from, um, well, he could see yes. uh, when he was born and then he was um, diagnosed with cancer at 15 months of age Mm. and gradually over the years became blinder and blinder and blinder until in his 20s he was completely blind Mm. but the most amazing thing is how incredibly teachable and malleable we are how flexible and adaptable we are when we actually have a complete sense taken away from us the brain compensates and this man um, and his name is Darren Harris from the UK is a dual Paralympian Mm, who learned how to play soccer blind yeah uh, the most capped English blind soccer player sure and judo and he was just telling me how he had to develop this extrasensory perception because he couldn't see where the ball was coming from he had to listen to where the ball was coming from so his ears are so unbelievably sharp and then just the fact that you can train yourself 
to do well regardless of what the obstacles are. It's, I guess, you know, we, we often say without thinking, well, kids are so malleable and, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But the truth is, you know, when, when forced to, we can, we are quite resilient as adults. Of course, we know this, but we don't, I don't think we sort of cut, uh, cut ourselves enough slack or give ourselves enough credit rather. Yeah. And also, I guess, believe in ourselves mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. Uh, because, and maybe this is what links this conversation to what we're going to be talking about. When you're older, as we are, you've learned to think within the box. Mm. You've learned to think within constraints of the way things have always been done in your life. Where children are so open to doing things in new ways, in different ways, finding alternatives, maybe doing things in ways that you haven't thought of before. And we have to be open to listening to their sense of wonder and awe yeah. at the world. Because the older you are, the more jaded your thinking becomes often. Because you've lived a while and you've been knocked around by life a little bit and you know what works and what doesn't work. So why think outside of the box? Yeah. You know? oh, exactly that. You think, you've, you think you've been around the block, you've seen some things, but of course if you're a fan of Shawshank Redemption, um, you know, one of the older characters, get, gets he goes out uh, on parole and he talks about being institutionalized, right? Being told when to eat, how to eat, what to eat, what to wear, what time to sleep. And you take all those things for granted and you don't realize you're limiting yourself and you you tell yourself you actually know what's what. Actually, no, you're doing doing yourself a disservice. So thanks for that lovely segue (laughs) to our topic this morning, which is, you know, how to to, um, encourage your child's child's development by following their lead. You know, taking, taking a leaf out of their book and not thinking, well, actually, I know what's good for them. Maybe you could learn something from them. Yeah, so I think there's a question that uh, I'd like to pose to our listeners this morning. Mm. And it's, can it be another way? Sure. Can it be another way? Because we actually don't know everything. Mm. And our children are not born empty vessels. They Expand on that. They actually come into the world full of potential and full of their own inherent wisdom and their ability to see the world from their point of view. Mm. And as parents, it's a, it's refreshing if you're open to it. It's refreshing. So when you think of um, how to encourage kids to verbalize their ideas and their thinking, here's a lovely story from my, one of my, my children who was absolutely obsessed with the Titanic. Yeah. The size of the ship, how did it actually sink? What really happened? And and he used to muse over it. This is when he was five, six, seven years old. He used to muse over this. We had books about the Titanic. You know, he watched programs about the Titanic Mm -hmm. because he was fascinated. And you'll find this with children. They'll find something that grabs their imagination. And one day we were sitting at breakfast and he stopped us dead because he was about seven and he was about to pour some milk from a semi-defrosted bottle of milk. Now, you know, when, when, when it's semi-defrosted, sure. there's still a block of milky ice in, in the, the middle, middle of there. the bottle. Yeah, yes. absolutely, yeah. And he piped up, I can tell exactly how the Titanic sank just from looking at this half-frozen bottle <laughs> of milk. Yeah. <laughs> and it was fascinating because he kind of, Stopped mid-paw, put the lid on, held it in front of him, 
and explained to us exactly what he thought had happened because, you know, the Titanic hit sure. an iceberg. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So this is my child of a thousand questions. You know, why, why, why? And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And those are great questions. Yeah. And in doing something as simple as making cereal for himself, he managed to connect the dots in his own way. Mm. He problem solved mm -hmm. for himself mm -hmm. how this happened. Now, this is the very same child who, when we were speaking about the birds and the bees mm -hmm. and how the sperm gets to the egg, because, you know, this is the ultimate point that parents do not want to discuss with their children. Sure. You know, we're happy to talk about the man and the woman and penises and vaginas, but the actual meeting of the sperm and the egg, like this is like how really, to address this. Whoa. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, children are stimulated by conversation a lot of the time and by incidental moments. And this was, uh, you know, this particular moment was a come home from school. Ha, ha, ha. Let me tell you a joke, mum, age eight. <laughs> Boys telling jokes, age eight, toilet humor, that sort of thing. And he was telling me about a BMW that was parking in the garage. Ha, 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 ha. And I knew he didn't know. Why this joke was yes. actually funny. <laughs> so sometimes as parents, we have to bite the bullet. Yeah. And um, I, I decided he knew everything about how babies were made, bar how the sperm gets to the egg. Sure. So I told him that, you know, the garage was actually a euphemism um, for a woman's <laughs> vagina. And the, the BMW was a man's penis. And um, we had a brief conversation. And then he said, I think I've had enough now, Mark. <laughs> and then the secret is this. Um not to grill your children straight away sure. to see if they understood what you were actually telling them, mm -hmm. but let it land. Just park it there Just for a moment and see what they do with it. And it was about three days later that he came to me and said, you know, mom, I know exactly how babies are made. Mm -hmm. I know exactly. He said, it's like two airplanes in the air doing a mid air fuel transfer. <laughs> The one plane is, you know, needs fuel. The other ones come with a tank of fuel. And what they do is they put this metal pipe. It comes out from the one airplane and it goes into the other airplane. And this is how the fuel gets across to the other airplane. He says, this is how the sperm gets to the egg. I love it. <laughs> and it was such a wonderful moment of a child making sense mm. in his own way, in his own time, in his own words. And in that child-appropriate way as well, Nikki. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, in a way that he could understand the mechanics of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because remember, you know, children at that age should really not know <laughs> what sex feels like and how sex actually of course, of course. happens. They haven't done it yet. Yeah. And it was just such an important lesson as a mother not to rush the learning. Mm. To let it, to take advantage of a teachable moment, yes, mm -hmm. that was the bathroom scenario with the joke. I used that as a carrier for the biological information. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then to let it just sink in and land and for him to turn it around in his head in an age-appropriate way and then retell it in a way that made sense sure. to him. And that was good enough 
for that moment mm. in time. And that's that's what you mean, Nikki, when you talk about following your child's mm. wisdom, right? When you talk wisdom, you're saying that natural sort of inclination, where that talents, where that curiosity takes them, and um, you know, making sure you follow that because in so many ways, you indulging your son's fascination with the Titanic could be an aperture through which you encourage him to become a data scientist the way that you encourage them to become an engineer, for instance, the way you encourage them to become a storyteller. You're not sure where it'll take you, but follow his natural sort of inclinations and where his personality takes him. And it flows through to so many areas in his life besides understanding and being able to um, interpret the things that you're trying to teach him. Yeah, so you follow your child's lead. I think in, in addition to the wisdom, they lead you if you're listening. Mm-hmm. They take you to a place where you can open up a conversation. And if you open up that conversation at their point of interest, that focus, you've got them. Sure. Whereas if you sit them down and say, right, we're going to talk about the birds and the bees, they might A, not be in the mood, in the right frame of mind, and they, and they may resist it because it's you, um, you know, taking the lead. And yes, it's not that we don't take the lead. For, you know, in many instances we mm-hmm. do. But I want parents to really listen for the whispers. Mm-hmm. of your child's wisdom because children do open themselves up for these conversations in many ways and we're not listening and we're about to go into spring sure the weather is starting to warm up i don't know if you've noticed but the birds are mating right now mm-hmm. the doves are jumping on each other they're cooing like crazy and you might find this happening in your driveway. Sure. And your children might turn around to you and say, what are these birds doing? <laughs> this is a great time to talk about birds mating yeah. and making babies. And that may then open up the opportunity, if it's age appropriate, for you to take it a little further and add some more information sure. about human biology. So, um, you know, just... Just when you're walking out there with your kids, um, I remember we were walking on a moonlit night. I was pushing a baby in the pram trying to get him to sleep. And my eldest son was was four and a half, nearly five. And we'd always mused over things like the moon is very, very far away from the earth. (laughs) And as a parent, you can say things like, I wonder how... We could get to the moon. Sure. So you can pose questions to see what your children might respond with. And I'm like, I'll never forget this evening. He said, no, it's not difficult to get to the moon. You know, this is a five-year-old talking. All you need is a very, very, very long ladder. That's it. <laughs> it's so simple. <laughs> that is it. I love it. Nikki, how often do you find parents are waiting for that great big grand moment to make an impression on their child and as you've just said listen for the whispers how often do you think parents you know we psych ourselves up about this parenting business Mm. and as you say it's it's it happens incrementally sitting right in front of you Mm. and i think um yeah we psych ourselves up uh as you say and we we're waiting for this you know we think we know it all we think we have to do it, and we often overdo it. Okay. I yeah. think that's the temptation, yeah. is to overdo parenting. Whereas if we did it a little more quietly, a little more intuitively, 
and we listened more, you know, deep listening is not just about hearing with your ears. It's hearing with your whole being. And mothers in particular, you know, have this deep intuition and we need to follow it more. And I think we often get so busy. Yes, life is busy. Mm, it is. Um, but we need to be listening between the words that our children speak. Mm-hmm. Talking of, of speaking, of course, you know, when you have a young child, especially when that phase when they're learning how to speak. So that's kind of 18 months to about three and a half mm. when they suddenly discover the joy of words and that they can have an impact on the world when they speak. But they actually speak quite slowly because, remember, these are new neurological pathways that are being laid down in the brain. They don't have the biggest vocabulary. They're learning from you and their preschool teacher most of the time. And they're having to search for the words when they speak. So it's a slow conversation. And And sometimes a winding one. And sometimes a winding one. (laughs) And we as parents can default to stepping in and filling in the words. And that sends two messages to children. One, you're not fast enough. Hurry up. And the other one is that they're not good enough. They don't know enough. And that can shut children down. And they can stop talking, stop trying. Start thinking that, well, mum and dad know better. And if I shut up, they'll fill in the spaces anyway. Mm. And if you have an older sibling, especially an older sibling who's who's in the talking phase, um, maybe three or four years older, they also sometimes default to speaking for Mm -hmm. their little brother or sister, Mm -hmm. which can also shut their little brother or sister down. So be aware of this because you may need to say to the older child, let little Tommy speak. Mm. Mm. It's not your turn. Yeah. And quietly separately say you know what when you were the same age you also spoke slowly Mm. you were also trying to find your words you needed that space we need to give little tommy the space to use his brain and find his words like you did Mm -hmm. so you know offering them the same gift and yes it might be frustrating from time to time but let's just tula I'm laughing because I can relate to that frustration. And why, why would you be frustrated? This poor person, as you say, is developing all these neural links. But when these stories about how school was go on for 20 minutes with no conclusion. Yes, along a winding road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and sometimes we don't need to be smart and clever and have all the best books and the finest toys. And there's so much children can learn. Yeah. From what they have in front of them, whether it's the Tupperwares and the pots and pans in the kitchen, if you've got a, a baby who's sitting and you're cooking, or whether, whether it's your three-year-old who's sitting on your lap and you tell a story out of your imagination. Now, you think you can't, mm-hmm. but you can. You need to find a prompt to start. And the prompt might be the little train on your child's slippers. Yeah. And you start by telling a story about the little train called Find a Name. Sure. And where was this little train? And what did this little train carry? Mm. And where did this little train go? And I also, yeah, that, that was a story I, I listened to my husband create with our son when he was about three. Yeah. And then we had 
my niece come and stay for the night, and she was about eight. And I, instead of reading a bedtime story, it was dark in the bedroom, yeah. and I lay next to her. And I started telling her a story about a dolphin called Julia. Mm-hmm. Julia was her name. Sure. And you just weave the child's name into the story, and it makes them feel seen in a way that is different to reading them a story written by somebody else. Absolutely. So just as parents, believe you have it in you to connect with your child, to lead your child by following your child's lead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And keep it simple, as you say, Nikki. We do overcomplicate a lot of things and it doesn't require money. Much of it is uh, within you, right? It's all within. You've got those reserves. Your attention is the key and deep listening. So don't forget those keys are there for the taking. Use them. All right. Fantastic stuff. Nikki, anyone who wants to recap our conversation or just uh, follow up on your own writing regarding this? Well, you can get hold of my book, Future Proof Your Child for the 2020s and Beyond, and join me on Facebook in my Parenting Matters group. Yeah. All right. Fantastic stuff. If you've got any questions parenting related, obviously, that uh, you'd like Nikki to address in the weeks to come, pop us an email, lafilo at 702.co.za. We'll pass them on to Nikki. It'll be an absolute pleasure to have you on air as well, speaking to Nikki directly. 11 is that number to dial. And of course, you can drop us a voice note or WhatsApp on 072 702 